Welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today we are offering you a continuation of our last episode. <laughs> so we are talking about flaky layers and this is adult child relationships. So uh, previously we were just talking about uh, children, like younger children, and like it just, we got a lot of information. And so we decided we needed to divide these up into two different episodes. So we're going to release them both on the same day. So this is technically episode 13B. And so uh, Jill has spent some significant time researching this book. What, what book did you read? Uh, it's called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out by Jim Burns. Did you like it? I love this book. How many times have you told me that I need to read this book? <laughs> I keep trying to hand her my copy of it. I'm like, I downloaded it as well because I was in a hurry to read it. And uh, I can give you my copy. <laughs> I'm like, I'll read it. I just don't have time right now. <laughs> so this, is, this will go in the pile of books that I need to read. Uh, why do you think it's so good? Uh, so I will say I have adult children. My youngest is 19. My oldest is 30. So I've kind of walked through this and mm -hmm. stumbled my way through it, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, cause it's a, it's a hard process, like transitioning from being a parent and having to tell your kids what to do all the time and then yeah. suddenly not having any control over that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he does a really great job of kind of talking about all the different factors that go into this and how to communicate well in order to build, um, you know, transition from, telling your kids what to do all the time to being their friend and support mm -hmm. um, to then eventually having a friend friend relationship. Right? Yeah. So. Well, and so I think that like, I'm just on the cusp of this because Carly's my oldest and she's 19 and then I've got Coco who is 16 and then Claire is 13 and then I have a grandbaby who is two Ari. And so <laughs> then we have a bunch of, we specialize in hormones at my household. <laughs> and so like, this is, would be a new season for me. Like I'm walking yeah. into this adult children thing and, um, and, you know, I always say you make all the mistakes on the first one. You do. Because, like, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So, sorry, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so I'm interested to hear what you what you learned and what you picked up about it. Yeah. So, I, I think there were a couple of key things that I took out of it. Some of it was um, a little bit about, you know, how the relationship changes. Mm -hmm. uh, also, he talked a little bit about culture and what, what they're like as they're as they're changing and, you know, growing up in this day and age and how it's different from where we were, mm -hmm. how we grew up mm -hmm. um, and, and where those differences are that we shouldn't set expectations that were kind of like the same expectations people had for us. We shouldn't set those for our children because it's a different time that we live in. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and then um, he just talked, like I focused on the communication piece of it because I know that we were, uh, we were really wanting to talk about that as far as how we communicate with, with our older children and, and figure out that that line that we're walking, that balance between friend and mm -hmm. mentor. So. Do you recommend our audience listen or read this book? Yes, wholeheartedly agree. Okay, <laughs> I good. would wholeheartedly recommend Doing Life with Your Adult Children uh, by Jim Burns. It really, really, really is a good book. We we'll just found it on Am Amazon. You found it on Amazon. How did you Amazon. find it on Amazon? I don't know. I found it. I was like, here, Jill, you need to read this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, I'll, I'll take those notes. <laughs> I've actually, like, referred it this week to several people, you know, like, going, hey, this is a book that Jill's been reading, and, like, there's good information here. You should check it out. So I do think that, that there's good stuff here that people can benefit from. Yeah, and we're not even going to touch on all of it, but there's oh, a man. lot of yeah. really good stuff in this. Good. So, uh, okay, so let's start off. So the first thing he talks about is, um, you know, as far as how your relationship is changing, be his his guide is to be encouraging but not intrusive um and what that really means is he gave an example of um a dad with a checklist right talking to his daughter like okay you have to do this and you can't do this and you better do this 
when they get to 18, and I've had my kids say this, when they got to 18, it was like, whatever, you can tell me whatever you want. I'm not going to listen, mm-hmm. right? Because they've suddenly, they've, they've got their independence. They, there's like a marker, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew when I turned 18, all bets were off. I, I could do what I wanted. I didn't have to listen anymore. Uh-huh. Some of that is transitional because you still live at home. Some of it is I can, I can still do what I want, make the choices that I want. Um, and so we, you know, as parents... A, we lose control at that moment, right? We There's a point that comes that we can no longer tell our kids what to do. We mm-hmm. have to rely on them to make choices based on all of those things that you talked about in the last episode, all of the, the steps that we've taken to make sure that we're communicating effectively. They're, they're healthy emotionally, and mm-hmm. you know they, they understand how good conversations happen. So we've done all that work. We've done all the parenting. We've set the values, and mm-hmm. now um, we kind of have to let them go right. and, and do what they need to do. And he talks about that being... Um, like a, a grieving process and I'll touch on that in a moment but the reality is we, we don't know how to transition when it happens okay. uh, and so a lot of people kind of fumble and struggle with this and there there's a lot of tension and a lot of stress in that relationship and sometimes kids wander off and you know there isn't a good relationship during this this 18 to maybe 20 22 mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Um, and so what he talks about is you know not not being intrusive in the sense that you don't inject or inter, you know, you don't insert yourself into their life. Uh-huh. Uh, you allow them the freedom to make the decisions that they're going to make, and then you, um, you know, you're there to support and ask questions and encourage them as they're trying new things because that's who they are. Uh-huh. Uh, th- they're trying to figure themselves out, and so as they go through that, he really encourages you to not sit with a checklist of items, but um, you know, to have to have the conversations or to not have the conversations in some cases. And so his example was he had this the checklist and he went through the items and his daughter was like, I don't need to listen to this. I don't have to hear this. I'm going to make my own decisions and went off. And and he realized that, like, that didn't do him any good. It wasn't going to change what she was deciding. So a few weeks later, he invited her to go snowboarding and he said, you know, let's just go. He brought his checklist with them, but he didn't talk about it. He left it off, and mm-hmm. they just had a really great weekend. When the weekend was over, his daughter, uh, he dropped his daughter off, never said a word, never said anything. His daughter texted him and said, I know that you probably had your list of items that you wanted to review with me, but I just want you to know, thank you for not saying that. I had the best weekend ever with you. Like, this was, you know, one of the best weekends we've ever had together, and I, I appreciate the fact that you didn't, you know, d- didn't get on me about these items, these yeah. things. And um, he's, and then she went on to say, by the way, here's what's happening with these things that, you know, we, we talked about previously. And so he said, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I just went out and I, you know, we had fun and we just laughed and we, we had, had some good memories. And then I left it at that. I didn't drag the moment down. I didn't taint the moment with any kind of negativity. So I, he's like, with my thoughts or my opinions, which she would have perceived as negative. Right. That's um, good. Because I think sometimes you're like... We look for an opportunity or a window to jump in and go, oh, I've got your attention now. I'm going to say these things. And, like, that doesn't sound like that's really ideal when you're dealing with adult children. No. And, you know, he, he at one point in the book, he talks about waiting to be invited in. I mean, we really have to let them go out, you know, do what they're going to do, and then wait for them to say, hey, I, I, I might need some help with this. Yeah. Um, because then it becomes their decision to allow you into their life. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so number two was uh, caring, but not um, not enabling dependency. Mm, talk about that. Uh, so this one was really more around 
us needing to be needed. Okay. <laughs> and really, we want to still fill that role in our kids' lives. And so they may ask things of us that are things that we probably really should not consider doing. Like, you know, he uses the example of um, uh, giving somebody money for the down payment on a house that they can't afford. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and now they're house poor and they're struggling anyway, and it really didn't did not do them any good to, to mm-hmm. have your money and to be able to, like, live in a way that they can't live. Uh-huh. So don't enable them to be able to do some of these things that you know in the long run may not may not help, um, but also to be supportive as they're going through it. So it's finding that balance. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Any other enabling things that are, like, smaller than, like, buying a house that you can think of? Because I think sometimes that feels kind of obvious, but I think we ena- enable our children in smaller ways. Um, Any thoughts about that? Like enabling mm. them to not have a job because we just give them money all the time? Well, I was going to say, usually it revolves, it seems in in my examples that I can think of that come to mind, it's always about money. Okay. And and really like, uh, yeah, I got a ticket. I got, I need this. I need that. And it's a, cu- you know, a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. And you're like, I need somebody to pay my electric bill. Okay. Well, this is the second time I've had to pay your electric bill in three months. I think maybe you need to consider, you know. What you're spending your money on. <laughs> or, or turning your lights off when you leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> Don't run your TV 24 hours Right, right. There's things you can do. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think there are some little examples, like mm-hmm. in everyday life, how much are you actually, you know, giving to them and, mm-hmm. and how much are you enabling them to just kind of return home? Yeah. Okay. Not that we don't want them to return home if they need to, but also they need, if they're going to go out and do it, they're going to have to stand on their own two right. feet. Right. Yeah. That's good. Um, and then... The third one was taking care of yourself. I'm summarizing these. By the way. Okay. Uh, it's really taking care of yourself. And it uses the example of um, oxygen on an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. When they tell you when it drops down, put it on yourself first. The and mask. Then, put the yeah, mask the on. mask on yourself first uh-huh. and then put it on your child because otherwise you'll pass out and you won't be able to help anybody. Right. <laughs> and no child is going to put that on you. So right. make sure you take care of yourself first. Um, but really it's also about understanding I touched on earlier understanding the grieving process right we're letting go of something that we don't we no longer have control of it mm-hmm. um, we've we've spent 18 years investing everything we have into these children and then suddenly they're just gone and they're out making their own decisions and there are things that we you know, we guide them towards what we think they should do or the dreams that we have for them mm-hmm. and and those dreams die when they mm-hmm. leave and they go out on their own yeah like they, we don't get those dreams. The right. They don't come true. We can, we no longer have control of the situation. And so it's a grieving process to be able to let that go, he says, um, and do it in a, you know, come to terms with it and come to it in a healthy way well, to change the relationship. So are you grieving that they're not becoming the person you want them to be? Or are you grieving that you're no longer needed? That like maybe your identity has been as their parent. And so then like, you know, that I would see myself as Carly's mom as opposed to Jen Stanley. And so then when I she no longer needs me in that way, like I don't know what to do with myself. I think some people go through that. Yeah, I think it could be both. And I think it initially, like as using my, my life as an example, I think initially I did have that fear that I would be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not somebody's mom. It was after the last one was getting ready to kind of sort of be done with school, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a mom anymore. What am I going to be? Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. You know, you have this crisis of now what is my life about? And then you just realize it, it takes a different form. It takes a different shape. It, it, it moves on. It's mm-hmm. just slightly different. Mm-hmm. You aren't responsible. I mean, I, I, I will tell this story. I joked that when my d- last child turned 18, I went in and said to my friends, I was like, hey, I 
guess what? My daughter's 18. I am no longer legally responsible for her. <laughs> the last one out of the house. But in, but what I meant was like, you know, I don't, I, I don't have to make those decisions. Uh-huh. This is their life because I had come to terms with that as I let two or three other children before that go. So yes. I was like, all right, we're done. We've done, we've done the hard part. Now we get to do the fun part, right? Like mm-hmm. you get to be the, be the friend. Like I couldn't be the friend growing up while they were growing up because I needed to be the parent. Right. I think we talked a little bit about that. Need to be the parent, not the, not the friend. And so as you transition, you're still going to be that parent. You're still going to be supportive, mm-hmm. but it takes on a new role and you get to be more of um it is more of a friendship and so it's kind of nice a nice change but you do have to realize that you have to let it go yeah um oh and they also talk in that one about having backup um so as you're going through this uh-huh. make sure that you have people that you can kind of go to and talk to them about so when you're when you're disagreeing with choices that your children make um, make sure that you have a support system in place that you can go to and vent and say i can't believe this is happening why is this happening right um, and 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 really not owning it um that was another big component of it not taking on shame because of um, the decisions or the choices that they've made like that's not healthy either right right well and and so I feel like that's something I've had to come to terms with again with my counseling practice is like I can't take ownership of the choices that my people make Mm -hmm. like whether they're good choices or bad ones right I can celebrate when they make the ones I want them to make but um so I've it's been a, somewhat of an easy transition to me in, in parenting to be able to go, like, okay. I can't take ownership of the good or the bad, right? And yeah. so, um, but I know that that can be very hard. Like, if you've not been faced with that decision for, like, the last 20 years of your <laughs> career, right, that it can be a hard separation to feel like that your kids are represent you in some way. And um, But, like, here's my best example for that would be that, like, if you've ever seen a couple where, like, maybe the husband is just a jerk, and the, but the wife is so sweet, <laughs> right? You don't ever go, man, I hate that wife because she's married to that man. You're always like, man, that man is a jerk and that wife is so sweet, right? You see them as individuals. Yes. And so then you interpret that. But then we as a person think, well, your actions are reflective on me. Like if you're a jerk, then they're going to think I'm a jerk or they're going to think something about me because I'm with you. And so I, I think the same is true for our kids. Like th- people see you as separate entities. They don't see you as a, gr- as a combined entity. Does that make sense? And so it they does. make decisions about their perception of you based on individuality. And so don't be concerned about it as a group. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, I like that. That's actually really good. Um, and then the last one is have fun, uh, which we talked about earlier and mm-hmm. I kind of touched on. Play does create c- positive memories. So by taking his daughter snowboarding and just having a really good weekend, it created some sort of a, a comfort level for her to know that, you know, she could she could then share like mm-hmm. she did she wasn't under pressure in every single moment of their interactions it was there was going to be some good times as well yeah so balance that um okay so then the second part of this is um really identifying culture like some of the cultural things that um are different between where when we grew up you know uh, 40 years ago yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> 30 20 whatever right, right. <laughs> and what they go through now and so some of those um some of those cultural things are actually what make them uh make the decisions that they have so and I think that's important so that we like understand because this can be a place of conflict for them for us as parents with our children because like it's not how we did it you know, I'll, I frequently make fun of how my parents would say kids these days, but I catch myself saying kids these days, you know, <laughs> it is so different. Like you don't like, Very man, true. why are you doing it this way? And so I think having an understanding for the culture as at large gives you a different perspective on your kids. I agree. 
Now, they do say, and we touched on this earlier, uh, technology is one of the big influencers, oh, right? Yeah. They don't have to go to you because they can go to Siri they or can Google, Google it. or they mm-hmm. can go to Alexa and ask and just get an answer. Um, so And then I can go to them and ask my kids <laughs> because they know how to run my technology. My daughter, I said to my daughter, I'm like, do you know how to do this? She goes, I have this great resource for you. It's, it's a really cool person. And I was like, oh, really? Do you have a number for me? And she's like, no, I have an address. It's G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. And I was like... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, he also talks. So one of the next things is uh, they expect everyone to get a blue ribbon. And he uses this as an example of why there is entitlement. Right. So um, you got to no matter how much effort you put into something. Yep. You could put in a whole lot of effort and get first, second or third. But no matter what, you were still getting that blue participation ribbon. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't even really have to participate. You just had to show up. Um, and so that creates some of um, the mindset for today, which is, you know, they expect a reward, a reward regardless of their effort or performance. And so uh-huh. in work, you know, they're complaining that they, they don't get paid enough or they, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. But what they're doing may not necessarily be in line with what someone um, from an older generation or a different, right. you know, from a different vantage point would say, listen, you're doing the bare minimum. Like I, I can't, you know, I can't reward yeah. that. So like when in Kansas, when I was supervising for case management, like we had an incentive plan for amount of time you spent with your clients. And so then like here you had the expectation and immediately once you hit the expectation, you would like gain extra money. And I was like, I was, I was irritated by that. It's like, why are they getting extra money when they hit the expectation? Like you're, uh, what your benefit is you get to keep your job right like you're going to keep working here because you hit the minimum and then but if you exceed it then we're going to reward those things mm-hmm. and so like yeah it was always a discussion I would have like why are we rewarding meeting the minimum like <laughs> let, I mean, let's let's ex- be excited when you excel but like minimum you get to keep your job the end well but I will say in today's in today's culture and society yeah there is like th- they talk about quiet quitting right and that just kind of popped into my head and where you know we're just doing the requirements of the job and we're not giving mm. the, the gen like the generation that i came from is at the point where they're like listen if i if i can do the same as them and get paid the same as them i'm gonna do less i'm gonna yeah i'm not gonna do and it's it's shifted it's shifted society and culture overall right like people are no longer um, investing their time uh-huh. and effort into companies. And that kind of ties in with like, they don't live to work, they work to live, which was the next one on the on the list. And like, it's a work ethic thing. You know, how how that work ethic and that loyalty to a company is not there these days right. where they're, they may they may job hop from um, place to place to place. They don't necessarily, companies no longer expect long-term loyalty and they're having to give you perks in order to um, draw draw mm-hmm. people in, right? Like they're changing the culture at businesses in order to draw people in who may want to stay for a little while. Yeah, when I think some of the differences you see in that is like pension, their pension is mm. not offered in yep. the same way. Like they expect you to have an investment program, but your job is not going to offer you a pension to stay there. And so like like my dad's generation, like they start, you go out of college and you started at a workplace and you retired there, you know, when you were 65. Yeah. Well, like this is an old statistic, so I don't know what the actual number is now, but I'd, a while back I heard that, People are expected to start their career over seven different times. Oh, wow. Right? And so I'm sure it's higher now yeah. than that. But like yeah. to restart your career seven different times. So yeah, back different. in the day, you wouldn't have, people, no. 40 years at the company. That's right. Getting your certificate. That's right. Give me my watch. <laughs> I've been here. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, they don't live to, when they say they don't live to work, they they live to, they work to live. Um, 
they like to be able to have freedom and that work-life balance to go out and do some of the things mm -hmm. that they want to do. Um, you know, another one on the list was prioritize adventure seeking. And so that ties right in with, you know, traveling and going going to see sites and doing things that they would not normally do, jumping out of an airplane, whatever the case may be, they're adventure seekers. And so they go, they, they work to get the money to be able to go and do the things that they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's, it's different from how we, we worked. We got, we got, we were young, we got yeah. married and we had kids and we had a house and we, we worked to pay the bills and we worked to work. Like yeah. we went to work. That was our day. That uh -huh. was, that was our life. That's what we were here for. Mm -hmm. Um, but they also say, you know, they want a healthy marriage and a family. They just want to be very intentional about it. So they want to go out and live life and experience things and kind of get their feet, you know, feet yeah. wet in, in all of the different areas that they, they may consider an option in their life. And then when they're ready, they'll settle, settle down. And they want that to be a healthy relationship, a, a stable relationship. They want that to be good and, and somewhat different than, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes what their family relationship was as they grew up. Well, and I think, too, um, whenever you and I were getting old enough to live on our own. Like it was really important to us that we moved out. Mm -hmm. It was for me. Right. Yeah. And so, um, in like, you knew that you had to do without, like you might not have a washer and dryer in your first apartment. You'd have to go to the laundromat or you may not get to have cable or you may have to eat ramen noodles for, <laughs> you know? Yep. And so like you understood there were sacrifices that you had to make in order to have independence. Yeah. Well, this generation is not willing to make those sacrifices. Mm -mm. They're like, I'm going to stay home and live off my parents until I can have the same standard of living that my parents offer me. Mm. So, like, I'm not willing to do without. So, like, I'm not going to go eat ramen. If I can't have the same speed of Wi-Fi in my apartment that I have at home, I'm not leaving. Yeah. You know, and so, and then parents are allowing them because our parents are like, I don't want you to leave. You should stay. Right? And so, then that's <laughs> what they're doing. And so, like, they, they don't have any plans to leave or they're not really pushed to leave or even want to leave or motivated to leave because they know it would cost too much for them to live on their own and it's not worth it to them. I had that situation in my house. A little bit of, I mean, some of it is me, again, not wanting, not really necessarily pushing them to leave, but also, uh, you know, I do all the things. Like, I do the enabling. I do all of those things. I have I have kids who probably could live on their own, but but they're in some of these, like, this culture is what right. they, how they live, and so they're, they are exactly what you say. They're like, I'm planting here until I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's what we got. We got Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll keep going. Um, the last one was tolerance. They consider tolerance an, esse an essential trait of a loving person. And so, yeah, because, you know, I think about like previous generations, like um, like my dad or even my grandparents, like, you know, they would be very quick to express uh, displeasure with something. You know, like it, it was OK to say, I disagree with this or this is the problem. And so then, you know, you would have to entertain that and consider it. Well, this generation, like if they expect you to be tolerant of everything. And so, you yeah. know, they, they don't want you to have an opinion that's different than theirs. Or if they do, they want you to tolerate that they've got one. You know, like they, it doesn't need, they don't want it to be conflict. And so they really equate tolerance with loving. And so when you are tolerant of their opinions that are different than yours, they, they interpret that as you loving them well. Yeah. They don't want the conflict. I would agree. He does say, um, you know, a lot of times they just take it as criticism. Mm -hmm. When you're giving your opinion, it's not intended to be criticism. It's t intended to be guidance or, you know, mentoring or coaching or whatever. But they take it as criticism and they yeah. internalize that and it becomes negative. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of shift that relationship and show them that you're just going to give them the opportunity to do what they want to do. And you're, mm -hmm. that you're here to listen and encourage and, yep. you know, support if they need it or if they ask for it and, um, and to to kind of help work through when yeah. something doesn't go right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so as far as the communication piece of it goes, <laughs> there was a, a line in here that kind of made me chuckle. It says, you know, over the years in his experience, uh, many of the avoidable problems arise 
from poor communication. But the good news is that healthy communication is a learned skill. And so I go back to the foundations of how, you know, how we have conversations with friends and how we build those friendships and relationships and, um, you know, creating a safe space, being trusting, not coming at, not being so direct and maybe softening that approach and do it in a kind and loving way like we've talked about. And so all of the, the foundational pieces that we have talked about here in Busted Biscuits truly um, lays a foundation for how you can talk with your adult children. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say initially, I think in my, from my experience, I, my relationship with my children was rather one-sided. My adult children was rather one-sided. I was a friend for, you know, I tried to be a friend or as I'm learning to be a friend um, and letting go of some of the mom role. Um, I don't necessarily take my problems to them. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally I, I will say something and try and use it as an example uh, or share, but it always feels awkward uh, mm-hmm. to me. And so I know that that will change and in time it will get easier to really consider them a friend. But right now as a mom, it's really hard to for me to open up, I think, and and yeah. share some of that stuff. Yeah, um, I know that my mom and I have transitioned to that, to, mm-hmm. to be friends, and so, but it was later in my life, like, it was definitely in my 30s, probably mid-30s or so, that that really happened for us, you know, and uh, I'm so thankful for that, because, like, she definitely is uh, one of my best friends. I can call her and talk about whatever I need <laughs> to, and so I, I appreciate that about her, and so, like, you know, as a mom, she loves me unconditionally, and so she'll still pe- speak truth to me, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but like, there's, I don't worry about that rejection piece, you know, that you might have in other relationships, so that's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, there's really just three key things that he says are, are, um, help drive some of the conversation. And the first one, much like you talked, I think all of these kind of apply in Mm -hmm. to younger as well, but they were, some of them were brought up, um, open-ended questions. And he says questions to which you do not know the answer. So don't necessarily go at them and say, um, don't you think that job is the one that you should take? Because that implies that you have an opinion and you want them to agree with your opinion. Uh What you should be asking is, does that job align with, you know, where you want it, want your future to go, where you see your career going? Yeah. Um, And try and gain from them, like what their perspective is on that, which I thought was really, really interesting. And like, I don't think we even realize some of the time that we, that we push that we give our opinion in the way that we ask the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I'll have to consider that. I don't, I mean, maybe I do that and don't even know it. Yeah. Because I don't mind giving my opinion. Big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I th- if you think about it in terms of a friendship, would you just go to someone, oh, you know, you should really just pick this job. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes if it's the right job, but like, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I would do that or not. I think yeah. it depends on the relationship that I have with my friend. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but, but I definitely try to, when it would be my kiddos, like to say, Hey, look, this is my perspective. This is my opinion. You know, when I look at it, this is how I consider it. And so I don't tell them that they have to pick it the same way, but like, this is how I see this. And I think, and that, that kind of goes back to what he's saying. Like, don't give your opinion, right? Ask them what, what ask them what their opinion is before I tell them. Yeah. Can I ever before, tell them? No, I can't tell you them my opinion. You have to be invited to tell them. Girl. He gave a specific example exactly like that, where he said, uh, you know, I said to my daughter, I'm like, well, can I give you some advice? And she's like, no, I don't want your advice. And he was like, what? And he, ha- and she's like, I don't want your advice. And she walked away. <laughs> he was like, um, <laughs> what do yeah. I do now? Wow. And so they have a right to not know well, what sure, your opinion they is. have a right. <laughs> they don't want to know your opinion. In order to make it a healthy and happy relationship, okay. don't give them your opinion. Unless they ask me. She's Unless got her, like, her hand like at the stop sign <laughs> at my face saying, don't give your opinion. She really means it. I do. Very demonstrative. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that, that's what he says. He's like, just let them talk, learn about them, learn what they're looking for, learn where, what they're thinking, and, mm-hmm. and be able to relate to them. If they ask for your opinion, you can give it, but don't, in, don't insert your opinion. So what about like just asking about what's going on in their life? Is that okay? Yeah. Like it's okay to ask. As long as you're, yeah, it is okay to ask. That's, that's I mean, part of having good communication, right, as friends. But it's when you start, it, it's when you start, um, inserting what you think into what they're what they're doing or what's happening in their life without an invitation without an invitation Mm. so i can ask all the questions i want i just can't give (laughs) yes that would be hard it's gonna be hard for you i think (laughs) like i'm I'm gonna have carly listen to this and she can give me like pointers for if i'm doing it or not doing it what i will say is this is the transition stage right like so he so it's okay to suck at it i can get better with time thank you yes you can i did i did for a good chunk of it because i do think i'm pretty good at giving my kid independence like giving them all my girls independence as best as i can um but yeah so this is yeah i think it'd be a hard transition yeah now like you said eventually you get to a point where it's all good right like Mm -hmm. you can you have that open trusting safe space relationship but i look at it as like i look at it as the wallflower situation right you got to stand back and observe and see who these people are. Mm-hmm. Now, you know that you want to be friends with them more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the bright, shiny people that you're attracted to. And you think, I could be your friend. But they don't want to be your friend just yet. So you've got okay. to do, like, slow introduction and working your way into this. This is, uh-huh. this is like, the opposite of <laughs> kind of what we taught in the beginning, right? Yeah. This is something where you want this friendship and you have to work really hard to um, help someone understand why you're someone that would be a good friend. Well, and so I think there's also a balance with this, right? Like you don't want to act like you're not interested, mm-hmm. but you don't want to mm. be overly eager. Yes. Yes. Right? Like yes. there's like there's this, this middle that. ground yeah. that you have to be. Because if you're over eager, oh, oh, you're talking to me? You're going to tell me? You're going to ask me? You're like, they're going to be like, no, I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> right? But then if you're like, I don't want to know. I'm not even interested in what's going on. Like that's yeah. not going to get you anywhere. No. So it's like this middle ground between like, yep. oh, okay, what's happening? You want to talk about it? Great. You don't? Okay, fine. You know where I'm at when you change your mind. Yeah, that's exactly and so it. like d- kind of almost dance between like, yes, I'm interested, but. I'm not going to force you to tell me. Yeah, he gives a lot of examples like that where, you know, people have had scenarios or situations with their children and then suddenly things go really bad. And he's like, you just have to be there. Yeah. Just, just continue to reach out, continue to, to ask how they're doing, continue to ask if there's anything they want to talk about. Yeah. And then wait for them to come back. Mm-hmm. So a thought that I had. So um, whenever Todd and I were dating... Uh, my mom like had set us down mm-hmm. and said that she didn't think that we should be married to one another. She thought that I was way too uh, aggressive and he was too passive and that it just wouldn't be successful, right? And so then now we've been married 24 years. And so it's kind of the family joke that like, mom, remember when you said that? You know, and so um, and she's like, I was so wrong. I just was trying to protect you. And so like, I know it was well-intentioned. And so I, I've used that for myself to go, you know what? There was a time that my mom thought what was best for me that turned out not to be what was best for me. And so that also means that there will be times that I think I know what's best for my girls, but it may not really be what's best for them. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so I'm like finding, like like preparing myself for that moment that I'm going to think I know what's best, but I may really not. Yeah. And so like there's that separation that comes with independence. Absolutely. And so don't listen to this, Carly. I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Carly. No, it isn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, you know, just understanding yes. that like there's that space. Yeah, so we, I mean, the second one was talk with and not at them, which I think we've kind of touched on. Don't lecture um, or tell versus listen and, and um, you know, listen and support mm-hmm. and encourage. Uh, 
it really is about seeking to understand what you touched on in the last one, really, you know, wanting to understand where they're coming from, who they are, who they're mm -hmm. developing into, why they've made some of the choices that they've made, and then just saying, I'm here to support you, you know, as best I can. If there's anything you need from me, let me know. Well, and I think a good model relationship, like, I think a youth pastor to a kid, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or like a youth leader, like, you know, th that you're a trusted adult whenever kids are teenagers. It's almost like you have that same role when with your adult kids that you would be a trusted adult that, you know, you're interested in what's going on. But like you want if they let you speak into it, then you do it. But you don't feel overly obligated to do it unless they're asking you for it. So like I think if you could think, am I treating my kids like a youth pastor would or like a, a you know, a, a, a mentor would? I think that's great. I love that example. Yeah. That actually that actually puts it in a pretty good perspective yeah. for me personally. Good. Um, and, and, you know, with this, they talk about, you know, don't be tone deaf. Make sure that you're not using an accusatory or, uh, you know, oh, yeah. a, a combative tone. Right. If <laughs> like. you're on technology, <laughs> then you don't have to worry about tone. But if you're having a verbal conversation. Which you should. Right. Which you should. <laughs> then you need to be, yeah, aware of your tone. That's important. Um, and then, like you said, being the cheerleader. Really, that's that was one of the key things that he said. Just be the encourager. Whatever you have to do, everybody should have somebody in their corner who is yeah. always making them feel like they can do anything and yeah. cheering the loudest. And so be that person for them and you'll, your relationship will um, mm -hmm. be better for it. My mom always talks about her grandmother and her, how she loved my mom and my mom always felt loved by her and always felt like that she saw the best in her. And so like, I know that was an important relationship for her. And so uh, mm -hmm. having that is really, you know, we need that. We need those people in our corner. Yeah. And so it would be amazing if it's the mom, right? If your mom's or the, the dad yeah, or the dad. <laughs> Okay, as a female, right? But yeah, as a male, right? If it's a parent, you would love to know that your parents are, you know, rooting mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. And so um, I'm fortunate to have that. Both my parents, I feel like, have been good rooters for me. And so that's a good thing. And so I, I hope that I can also continue that, you know, as a parent for my children, that they know that I'm, you know, cheering them on. I think I'm pretty sure you said it in here. If not, you said it when we were prepping, but talking about how sometimes they interpret your, um, I don't want to say your displeasure, but your opinion as criticism. Mm hmm Right? Did we mm -hmm. say that already? Yes. Okay. And so um, I, I definitely can see how that's played out either in my own life or like like watching other pe other adults interact with their kids. Um, but they assume that whenever you, your opinion is different, uh, that you're, you're criticizing them and cutting them down in some way. And so then they're not interested in hearing it. And so like I think that's an important thing to consider that like if you're just asking questions or trying to understand it, that you don't – that they don't perceive that you're criticizing them. You're okay. just, you know, seeking to understand it. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is words of grace. Um, and he defines grace as unmerited favor. Um, you know, bite your tongue, stay silent is what he says. Um, don't let them take it as criticism. Um, don't, um, don't hold on, don't hold them to your expectation. Uh, giving grace means just allowing them to be, mm -hmm. uh, to be the, you know, you be the cheerleader. You get to give them all of the, all of the love and the encouragement that they need. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually it for what we had as far as for this podcast. Obviously, this is a really good book, and you should read it. If you don't, that's okay, because we'll probably do something <laughs> well, <laughs> on this book later on again, because it's that good. <laughs> what, what, what are the pieces that we didn't touch on that someone would get from benefit from reading the book? Uh, Can you excuse like the rattling while I pick up the book. Okay. <laughs> um, going to the table of contents. Um, a failure to launch when your child violates your values, the cost, the high cost of money, in-laws, step-families in the blend, mm -hmm. um, and it's party time with the grandkids. Ooh, so we should have read that. Yeah. Okay. 
I definitely have party time with my grandkids. <laughs> I'm all about that. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. We did the first four chapters, which is basically you're fired, keep your mouth shut and, wel- and the welcome mat out. Why is it taking my kids so long to grow up and how to raise an entitled adult child or not? Yeah. So we've kind of covered the first four. There's about five more that we could go through. There's also like questions for ref- reflection and discussion in here. There's some notes. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of useful, valuable information in this book. So mm-hmm. I, I would really encourage you um you know, to read it if you, if yeah. you have some time. Man, Carly can get mad at me when it comes to grandbaby stuff because like, she'll be wanting to get her down for bed and I'll be coming home like, oh, is Ari still up? Hey, Ari. You know, like <laughs> when to come in, it's like, would you stop? I'm trying to get her to go to sleep. Like, no, she needs to see her email. <laughs> you know, when, if I'd have been the parent, I'd have been furious about that. So luckily, Carly, for the most part, tolerates it. I know she's irritated, but it's like, I just want to love all my grandbaby. My grandson is eight months, eight weeks old. And I keep saying eight months, eight weeks old. And I think I see him at least, um, three four days a week in person Aww. and I travel to their house and I'm just waiting for the day when my, my daughter's husband my son-in-law says you need you don't have to come here I kid you not come right when I don't see him I FaceTime him like I FaceTime twice a day to just to see him yeah <laughs> but they grow so fast they do he was so t- totally mm. different today he was doing something new yes that's so fun so, so. Um, yeah, so there, it's a great book, lots of information. Like I said, well, we, you know, we, are, as Jen mentioned before, we're just kind of hitting the surface of some of these things. We realize there's a lot more that we're going to be digging into. Um, we've got some other topics to cover, and then we're going to probably start circling back and really d- diving deep into yeah, some of these topics. I think so. So. Right. And so this He's next, yeah, this next, say, uh, good Lord, <laughs> this next episode is gonna be flaky layers extended family yes like we're gonna talk about how to interact with your extended family um and like those type of relationships and and there there may be some repeat stuff for this because i think a lot of this can apply other places but if there's specific things about interacting with extended family you know we want to talk about that yeah and if you have questions on that or scenarios or or that you want to address you know um obviously we we won't use names if we shouldn't yeah Um, just make sure you tell us that but write in let us know what some of the things that you're struggling with with those extended family relationships Mm -hmm. are and we'll be we'll be more than happy to try and address some of those busted biscuits three at gmail.com yes or our website which is busted biscuits.us so um Three sometimes, three not, right? Like, <laughs> no. When we I, know. I know. We couldn't get it consistent. <laughs> like, those darn people, someone already had Vista Biscuits in Gmail. But anyway, so we had to add a three. Um, anything else you can think of that you want to share with the people? Stay tuned for mini muffins coming in July. Yes. Um, we want you to sign up for the Biscuit Banter for uh, April, which is 14th, 21st, 28th. We would love to have you do that in Homer City, PA. That's at bustedbiscuits.us. Sign up if you can. Uh, send your friends for that. We want to finish those last few spots and get them full. And I think that's it. I think that's it. Till next time, when we bust some biscuits.